Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, which is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So on today's episode, we are doing the last episode of the Zendikar set review. We are doing all the multicolored cards, the artifact cards, and we're going to briefly go over some of the land cards as well too. Not too much to go over with the land cards, but we'll talk about some of them anyway. So... Before we get into that, uh, let's get some announcements out of the way. If you want to help support the show, you can go to the show's Patreon at patreon.com slash magicazubi. And, mm, excuse me, you can check me out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuning Radio, and Spotify. Uh, hopefully soon, Amazon as well. And you can reach out to me via Twitter at magicazubi, on Instagram at magic underscore with underscore zubi. And you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzubi at gmail.com. So let's get two quick little announcements out of the way, and then we will get into all the multicolored and artifact cards and some of the land cards of Zendikar Rise. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on magic singles and magic sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... a normie? Yeah, exactly! A normie! Well, have I got the show for you. The all-new Magic for Normies show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic, Magic for, for normies. normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, Pixie Kitten Plays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic Wazubi RSS feed. Magic for normies. Alright, so before we begin, uh, let me just get something out of the way here. So if you're looking for how to win draft sealed and know like what cards are going to be really good for standard historic and commander you have come to the wrong show this is for normies where we're going to talk very casually here and try to really get some of my thoughts on what i think some normie cards are and what are some fun cards and you know could be draft sealed commander standard historic you know that kind of stuff so more more casual more than anything but definitely not in it to win it here we're here for the casual players we know you're out there. There are ones of us. We know that. Anyways, so uh, let's get started here. Um, we're going to start off with Akiri Fearless Voyager for one red and a white. It's a core warrior legendary creature. It's a 3-3 three, three for 3, so not bad. Whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, draw a card. You can pay a white to unattach an equipment from a creature you control if you do tap that creature and it gains indestructible to lend a turn. So... Before talking about like commander and all that stuff, um, 
Let's talk about the uses in Limited. Now, you're not always going to have a lot of equipped creatures in Limited, but if you happen to, like if I were to pack one, pick one this card, I'd want to at least get one or two equipment to be able to have that draw card effect be useful, right? And heck, even being able to make creatures potentially indestructible as well too, your own creatures, that's pretty good. So, I mean, pack one, pick one, yes just for the ability to try to draw a card. Um, as far as a commander goes, so if you play this in commander like as your commander, um, obviously you're gonna wanna play a Boros deck with a lot of equipment as well to just help you draw a card. Keep drawing cards with it and it could be a fun commander as well, you know? It could be like fun, aggressive commander you could play in EDH. Um, otherwise, in the only other thing that I can think of that it would be good is with Embercleave out and Standard and Historic, that, that could be also another really good thing because you will know you'd have to equip Embercleave before declaring attack with this. Yeah, and Embercleave only triggers off when you're attacking, I think. So ooh, I mean uh never mind. Never mind. That's not as good as I thought. But hey. Anyway, I'm sure people will figure out ways to abuse it in Standard and Historic anyway. Next up, we've got Brushfire Elemental. It's a green and a red, or red and a green. Elemental, it's a haste with 1-1. One, one. This can't be blocked by creatures of power 2 or less. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, this gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. So a 3-3 three, three for 2. I mean... Hopefully by turn three, you're going to make it a three, three uh, with landfall being pretty prominent and limited. This is going to be a really good card. Uh, could be an early to mid pick if you're going to be in either of those colors. It's not bad at all, and it can't be blocked by those small creatures as well. Next up, we've got Cleric of Life's Bond for white and a black. It's a vampire cleric. It's a two, 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 two for two. It's a bear. That's good. Whenever another cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. Whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, put a 1-1 counter on Cleric of Life's Bond. Okay, so both white and black have some good lifelink cards, more white than anything. But, hey, if you're able to gain some life, and there's plenty of clerics in either of those colors as well too, and being able to pump this up, make it bigger, it's a pretty good card to complement for your white and black decks there. Alright, so next we have Grackmaw Skyclave Ravenger. It is a one black and a green. It's a Hydra Horror that's a legendary creature. It's a zero zero. This enters the battlefield with three one one counters on it. Whenever another creature you control dies, if I add a one one counter on it, put a one one counter on Grackmaw. When Grackmaw dies, create an XX black and green Hydra creature token where X is the number of one one counters on Grackmaw. Okay, so. Okay, so let's say you're playing this as your commander, you get Grackmaw out, and you have like a sack effect, like Viscerasir or Carrion Feeder, just to, you know, you have creatures that are constantly getting 1-1 one, one counters on it, and you keep sack, and then you sack Grackmaw to build a really big black and green Hydra creature token. Um, I gotta say, as a commander, not very exciting or very good. I mean, there's way better Hydra commanders out there, especially Zexara is probably the best Hydra commander. This would be a decent complement to Zexara. Otherwise, I would... I mean, I'm sure someone somewhere will figure out a deck that could abuse Grackmaw, but off the top of my head, just looking at him, like, it's not very exciting. I mean, it it's cool that when it dies, it sort of replaces itself in a sense, right? Um... 
So that's not bad. I mean, as limited goes, yeah, pack one, pick one for sure. Um, but in like commander, it's not very exciting to me. Um, I, I'd almost want to play this to see if I could try to break it in a sense. You know what I mean? Um, cause there's certain cards where you see like, you, you look at a commander card like Chulane, like, oh yeah, that's easily broken, right? This one, I'm kind of looking at, I'm like, it's okay, but I'd almost want to see if there's a way to break it and make it better, in a sense. Um, as far as standard historic goes, yeah, with, with those counter decks going around, I mean, heck, there could be an Abzan counter deck and this would go perfect in that counter deck. Um, draft sealed, no-brainer. Pick this card, you know, so good. Next up, we've got Cargan Warleader. It is a one red and a white. It's a human warrior creature. Other warriors you control get plus one, plus one. So cool. Um, if you got a lot of warriors out, this is a good lord to pump them all up. And it's not a bad creature themselves. It's a three, three for three. Not bad. And boom, there you go. Pumps up other creatures. And what's not to love? Early to mid pick. Uh, next up, we've got Kaza Royal Chaser. For blue and a red, it's a human legendary creature. Human wizard legendary creature. It's a 1-2. Has flying and haste. You can tap this. The next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less, where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves. Okay, so... That's it. Just makes the instant sorcery spell cost X less. It's not very exciting. I mean, in EDH, yeah, this could be exciting. And standard historic, nah, not very exciting. Um, I, I, I hesitate to even say this is a pack one, pick one. This, there's got to be something better than this. Um, if it was like tap this and you copy it or something, cool, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I'm kind of like, eh, man, it's not exciting. It's kind of boring for a rare, if I'll be honest here. Yeah, if you open this up in a booster pack, pick something else. This is kind of, in my opinion, it's trash. It's a trash card. Next up, we've got Linvala Shield of the Seagate for one white and a blue. Best guild pair, Azorius. Not really. Uh, Angel Wizard. It's a legendary creature. It's a 3-3 three, three for three with flying. Okay, already I like it so far. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, choose target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Until your next turn, it can't attack or block and its activated abilities can't be activated. And of course, the cat starts as soon as I start talking. You can sack Linvala, choose Hexproof or Indestructible. Creatures you control gain that ability until end of turn. Okay, so even if you never have a full party, you know, the flying 3-3 is great to have at 3-3 and... The second ability, the sack ability, is also great as well in case there's a board wipe or maybe there's going to be some target removal and you want to be like, oh no, I want to save that other really big creature. Boom, sack Linvala and you're like, nope, sorry, too bad. That big creature of mine is being saved. Pack one, pick one for sure. Heck yes. Next up is Lol Mage's Familiar. It's one green and a blue. It's a beast creature. It's a 2-4. Also kind of a mana dork. You can tap it to add blue or green, and whenever you cast a kick spell, you gain two life. So a three mana mana dork. It's a two four. It's also its body is not too bad. It's got a sweet booty. A two four booty is nothing to scoff at right there. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, as a as far as mana dorks go, 
one of the better ones in this set here. It's a bit expensive, you know, but hey, I like the booty. I like that booty. What can I say? Uh, next up, uh, or before I go into that, uh, you know, just early to mid pick, I'd say, in my opinion. Next up is Moss Pit Skeleton. For black and a green, it's a plant skeleton creature. It's a 2-2. Has a kicker cost of 3, so for 5 mana, if this was kicked, it enters the battlefield with 3 one, one counters on it, so you could be possibly make it a 5-5 five, five for 5. That's not bad at all. Whenever one or more 1-1 one, one counters are put on a creature you control, if Moss Pit Skeleton is in your graveyard, you may put this on top of your library. Okay, so Golgari does have some really good counter, you know, counters here, and... You know, this could be the your type of recurring creature here in limited. That's really good. This could be a pack one pick one in my opinion almost. That's pretty dang good. I'd go heavy into the counter ability there at that point. Next up is Marasa Root Gaze Grazer. For a green and a white, it is a beast creature. It's a 2-3. It has vigilance. Okay, a 2-3 with vigilance for two. It's pretty damn good. Uh, you can tap this. You may put a basic land card from your hand onto the battlefield. I like where this is going. You can also tap this to return target basic land you control to its owner's hand. This could be a pack one pick one. Heck yes. If, you, if you're trying to like really get landfall going, this is the perfect card for you because awesome. You attack, you're not going to tap because it has vigilance. It's awesome. Um, and then at the end of your opponent's turn, either put a basic land card trigger out some landfall or you know maybe you want to trigger some landfall in your next turn boom return something back to your hand oh i like that a lot Ooh, spicy Mwah. it's a spicy meat the ball um really good card it could be a pack one pick one. i'm i'm more excited about this uncommon than anything i've seen so far in the gold in the gold cards i mean before i get into the planeswalkers and all that stuff yeah out of all the gold cards so far this has been the most exciting one to me it's, th this is what I'm noticing with Zendikar Rising that I'm getting more excited with the commons and uncommons than I am with the rares and mythics here. Not saying that the rares or mythics are bad. It's just, I don't know, something about it is just not as exciting as in Sets Pass, which is not a bad thing either, too, you know? Because we don't always need crazy-ass mythics that are going to completely shape and warp a format, right? We don't need another companion type thing where we're going to completely warp all of magic, you know? So, not a bad thing. All right, next up is, I no, 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 we had Jace. Jace was blue. So this is, yeah, there's only three Planeswalkers in this set here. Jace, Nahiri, and Nissa. So Nahiri, heir to, of the Ancients, for two red and a white, it is a Nahiri Planeswalker at starting loyalty cost is four plus one create a one one white core warrior creature token you may attach an equipment you control to it so even if you don't have an equipment it does have a way to protect itself awesome uh you can also do the nake to look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal a warrior or equipment card from among them put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order okay not bad if you need to dig through your deck uh, then Nag 3, Nahiri Heir of the Ancient steals damage to target creature Planeswalker equal to twice the number of equipment you control. Uh, I mean, so in draft here, pack one, pick one. Yeah, because I just like the, the ability of just keeping pooping out warrior tokens out there. And plus it can protect itself really good. 
I will have to say I am happy that for a four mana planeswalker, it does not feel super strong. Now, I know Boros has the bad reputation of never feeling that strong, and this card does not feel very strong. It does not feel very pushed. It feels like the appropriate power level for a planeswalker like this. It's not too strong. It can protect itself. It helps you dig through your deck, and it has the potential of doing decent amount of damage to remove a creature or planeswalker to twice the number of equipment you control. It's not bad. So, you know, for a planeswalker like this, it feels appropriately power, not too strong, not too weak, feels just right, but it's probably not going to see that much play and like constructed or anything i'd have to say unless there's like a crazy warrior deck that pops out i just don't see this seeing much play to be honest next up is another nissa and it's four mana nissa of the shadowed bows for two black and a green it is a nissa planeswalker with starting loyalty of four has landfall of whenever a land enters battlefield under your control, put a loyalty counter on this of Shadow Bows. You can tell I just sound so excited talking about this. Her plus one, untapped target land you control, you may have it become a 3-3 elemental creature with haste and menace until end of turn. It's still a land. Okay, so it's only until end of turn. It's not permanent like Nissa who shakes the world. Her Nag 5, you may put a creature card and convert a mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control onto the battlefield from your hand or graveyard with two one one counters on it. Oh great, it's got a way to cheat out creatures. Um So I mean say you play this turn four, you do a little bit of ramp, and you get some more counters on it, and oh Nag five, I just cheated out um you know Ulamog or something like that. Mm, great. Oh, oh, it has to be converted mana cost less than or equal number lands you control onto the battlefield. Okay, still being able to cheat out a card like that. I mean, definitely not as good as Nissa who shakes the world. We'll put it there. The fact that the landfall ability seems ridiculously good, um, and especially with being able to ramp stuff. I, is this even going to see, like, abuse or anything? I don't know. Um, I mean, it could. But, I mean, Nisu Shakes the World's like, infinitely better than this. And, I mean, in Draft Sealed, yeah, of course. Pack one, pick one. You play this. Uh, uh, yeah, of course you play this. But, I mean, I'm just trying to think of the constructed consequences. I still think Nisu Shakes the World's going to see more play. Um... Not that people won't play this card. I just feel like it won't see as much play. Um, and in EDH, I mean, there's better Nisses out there than this. I mean, like I said, being able to cheat out a creature is great. That'll be the best part of the card. Otherwise, it's it's okay. It's okay. <sighs> Next up is a fun card. Next up, we've got good old Omnath, Locus of Creation. So... Our boy Omnath went from mono green to gruel to teamer to now he is whatever this four color monstrosity is that includes white. So Omnath Locus of Creation is red, green, white, blue. It is an elemental legendary creature. It's a 4-4 four, for four, four, four. Awesome. Great. When this enters the battlefield, draw a card. 
Okay. Okay. But what's its landfall ability do? Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life. If this is the first time, this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add red, green, blue, or red, green, white, blue. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. So if you're listening to the audio right now and you're not seeing my face, I'm just staring at the camera like, this is good. Um, yeah, pack one, pick one, yeah, of course, sealed draft. I'd be trying to play four colors so bad and trying to like do landfall shenanigans, ramp shenanigans, and just watch as my opponent cries, tears, and all that stuff. But I mean, irregardless of that, um, standard, historic, yeah, people are going to figure out ways to cheat this. I mean, with especially in historic with how easy it is to play four colors and all that. Like with Chromatic Lantern and, you know, the Triomes and all that. Um, even in Standard, yeah, people will be playing this, like, cheated out. Uh, there's the Genesis, the um, Teamer Genesis one. I cannot remember the name of it right now. Genesis Ultimatum, I think. And um, that'll definitely cheat this out and then just play some lands and boom. That's crazy good. Um, in Commander... This will just be a fun commander. Um, I, I, I'm I looking at this. I mean, I may even want to build this as a commander here. It could be fun. But, I mean, it almost kind of be similar to like what I'm doing with Omnas Loc Locus of Rage. Just having a bunch of lands enter and, you know, abuse the landfall things. It, it would almost become like a good stuff type deck. Where it could be fun. It'll definitely be fun to build. But I feel like it would just become strictly good stuff at that point. I mean, how would you not build this deck in commander and not have the three other omnaths i mean i think that's almost a requirement to have the three other omnaths if you build omnath locus of creation am i right so awesome card awesome um now like am i more excited about omnath than am marasa root grazer when it comes to uh limited and all that i'd still rather have marasa root grazer because you're more likely to see marasa root grazer than you are omnath i mean obviously i would choose omnath over marasa root grazer of course but hey what can i say i like what i like you know don't hate all right next up we've got aura skyclave hierophant or hierophant i don't know how you say that Two white and a black. It's a core cleric, legendary creature. It's a 3-3 with lifelink. When this or another cleric you control dies, return target cleric card with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield. Ooh, that is a mouthful. So you can possibly have some graveyard recursion for it. So a 3-3 for four with lifelink, not too bad. And you can possibly get some graveyard recursion out of it. Not too bad, actually. You know? Um, it's not a bad card. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's not bad. 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 But, and could be a decent beater uh, in Commander and all that. I'm sure there's a way to abuse it and all that. I'm just... I don't, I don't know. With lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard? I don't know. It doesn't excite me as a Commander or anything like that. It's okay, but, you know. You never know. Someone could figure out some way to play it or break it or whatever yeah that's all i've really got to say about it i mean pack one pick one yeah maybe 
maybe if there's really nothing better. Like I said, it's not an exciting rare, but it's it's okay. It's okay, you know, it passes, it does its thing. It does an Orzhov thing, for sure. Alright, next up we've got Phylath, World Sculptor, for four red and a green. It's an elemental legendary creature. It's a 5-5. Five five. When this enters the battlefield, create a 0-1 green plant creature token for each basic land you control. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put four 1-1 counters on target plant you control. Oh, so this is Avenger of Zendikar fixed. So, I mean, yeah, pack one, pick one. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just being able to poop out more, you know, token for creatures to help you block stuff. Uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put four 1-1 counters on target plant you control. Yeah, that's really good. Um, not as good as Avenger of Zendikar, obviously, but still not a bad, could even be a decent budget replacement. Um, I may even put this in Omnath Locus of Rage, maybe, just for w being able to poop out more plants and putting counters on some plants, too, maybe. Not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, pack one, pick one for sure. And as far as standard or historic, maybe in like an elemental deck, like team or elemental or something, I could see people playing it in that. Yeah. Or, or like even with Omnath Locus of Creation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be decent. could be decent. Next up, we've got Ravager's Mace for one black and a red. It is an artifact equipment. When this enters the battlefield, attach it to our creature you control. A quick creature gets plus one, plus zero oh for each creature in your party and has menace. Has an equip cost of two black and red. Equip creature gets plus one, plus zero oh for each creature in your party and has menace. So even if you have no party, it's going to have menace. So three mana, it's one of the better equipments I've seen. Even, like I said, even if you have no creatures in your party you're going to at least have Menace on it. And Menace is so good and limited. Otherwise, I mean, this is a purely limited card here. You're not going to really see it be played much else where, for the most part, hopefully I'm completely, hopefully I'm not wrong about that. That'd be weird. But, um, I mean, more of a mid to late pick more than anything. It's not the most exciting uncommon, but, you know, what can you say? All right, next up, we've got Soaring Thought Thief for blue and a black. It's a human rogue. It's a 1-3 with flash and flying. As long as the opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, rogues you control get plus one, plus oh. Whenever one or more rogues you control attack, each opponent mills two cards. So that mill plan I was talking about in the blue and black episodes, this is the kind of perfect card you want right here. Has flash, has flying, two mana, 1-3. Great blocker in the early game. And should you mill them... And heck, even whenever one or more rogues you control attack, they're going to mill two cards regardless. Hell, this may even be like a super early pack or super early pick. Pretty damn good. Uh, next up, we've got Spoils of Adventure for four white and a blue. It's an instant. The spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. You gain three life and draw three cards. So say you have a full party, it's going to cost, you know, white and blue. Gain through life, draw three cards. So if you are in those colors, it's not a bad card. I mean, if you have Omnath, uh, Locus of Creation, and definitely get this card, hell, I mean, you're going to be ramping up anyway. So might as well pick this up. Gain three life and draw three cards. Heck yeah, it's pretty good. Being early to mid pick, because 
I want to draw them cards. Next up is Yamara Mystic for one blue and red. It's a merfolk wizard creature. It's a 1-3 with flying. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, this gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Okay, so it's like a it's like a backwards kind of prowess in a sense. Um, it's not bad. I mean, if you're in those colors, this is definitely a worthy spell to have. I mean, even a one three flying for three could be you know it's a nice booty to protect in the early game, and. Um, you know, has a possibility of pumping it up too. Like, let's say you play an instant that pumps up your creature anyway. Boom, you just pumped it up again. It's not bad. I kind of like that card. It's one of the more interesting is it cards I've seen. Like the other is it wizard that we saw before, Kaza Royal Chaser. And that bores me. That bores me to tears. This card, though, more exciting, more acceptable. I guess I have lower expectations when it comes to like uncommons and rare and uncommons and commons. Next up, we've got Verizol the Split Current for X, green, and blue. It is a serpent legendary creature. It's a zero zero. This enters the battlefield with a counter on it for each mana spent to cast it. Okay. So with a one one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it. So you could pay zero for X and it would come in with a two two. Whenever you cast a kick spell, you may remove two 1-1 counters from Verizol if you do copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Ooh. Ooh. So. Okay. Okay, so. Say you play this for three mana, right? You remove two 1-1 counters, still has one counter on it. And you get to copy the spell. The only downside is. You don't have a way of the card itself doesn't have a way of adding more counters onto it. you'd have to have something else that'd be able to add counters onto it so i mean in something like draft or sealed yeah easy pick to play this card but outside of it like i'm just trying to think of commander it's i mean commander is there even enough kicked spells for this to even be useful. I mean, I'm sure there, yeah, there's ways to have a lot of counters like doubling season and other effects like that. I'm drawing blanks on a lot of them right now. Um, so, I mean, it's an interesting card. I like how it just copies it. You just remove two one, one counters and, um, and there's always ways to move counters too. in uh, like a format like commander. So, uh, is, I think this would be more uh, staying in Commander. I think I don't see it is. I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I don't see it being very useful in Standard or Historic, at least as far as I can tell. Right now, it seems too expensive for what it can do for maybe very little payoff. I mean, in Draft and Seal, to be good. Otherwise, I'm just gonna kind of stick this with commander not really in any other format next up is yasharn implacable earth for two green and white it's an elemental boar legendary creature it's a four four so four 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 awesome really good creature just off the bat right there when this enters the battlefield search your library for a basic forest card and a basic planes card reveal those cards and put them into your hand then shelf your library i like that 
players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. Not bad. Not bad. Um, ooh, you know, this would shut down a lot of Aristocrats decks in EDH. You play this as your commander, boom, they can't pay life or sack any non-land permanents. Well, they would just sack everything in response to this being on the stack, of course. But, hey, in sealed draft, yeah, pack one, pick one, of course. I mean, a 4-4 for four, four, four that allows you to ramp. I mean, not doesn't put on the battlefield, but allows you to put in your hand. So you're guaranteed two more lands. Yeah, well, no-brainer. What's not to love with that? And it's got a decent body, too. It's a 4-4 four, four, for four that's not bad. It's not a bad card. Next up is Zagras, or Zagras, Zagras, Degrassi, uh, I don't know how you say this, uh, Thief of Heartbeats, for four black and red, it is a vampire le rogue legendary creature, it's a 4-4, four, four. so a 4-4 four, four for six, okay, let's see what it does, this spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party, okay, so it can possibly cost two mana, should you have a full party, has flying death touch and haste. Other creatures you control have death touch. Alright. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. So it basically has death touch for planeswalkers as well too. Um, and limited pack one, pick one. Yeah, of course. Um, this, I could see the scene play in uh, standard and historic as well too. And some of those vampire decks. Uh you know, maybe maybe Mardu vampires might make a you know little showing there. Well, there's also the oh, what is it the the other Death Toucher from M20 or Ikoria or something? Heck, could be like Rakdos Death Touch Tribal, something like that. That could be fun. And plus, this has Flying Death Touch and Haste. Such a good card, man. Um, as far as this being like your commander or whatever. Not as exciting. I mean, it's cool that other other creatures you control of Death Touch. That's the cool part. Otherwise, it's kind of a probably more, probably more, probably better slated in the ninety nine. If I had to be honest, our last golden card because we are going to get into the artifacts after this. The artifacts probably won't take as long. Our last golden card is Zareth San, the Trickster. For three white and black, it is a Merfolk Rogue legendary creature. It's a 4-4 with flash. You can pay two blue and a black. Return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. Put Zareth from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Whenever this deals combat damage to a player, you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Alright, not bad, not bad. Um... I kind of like the little fixed ninjutsu there because um, it's not going to be as good as Yuriko or anything. But, you know, obviously you'd have to have this in your hand for the ninjutsu-like effect to work. But, hey, if you're going like Rogue Tribal and EDH or something, or even in Draft Unlimited, I mean, yeah, I mean, pack one, pick one, of course. Um, but, I mean, I just like the fact that you get to almost steal something too. I mean, the flash is awesome. Four, four for five. Cool. But being able to steal something and put it onto your battlefield, it's great. Target permanent cards. That also means lands. You could also take your opponent's land cards as well. Amazing. 
Love it. Like it. Those are all the gold cards there. So we're going to move on to the artifact cards. And then we'll get into a little bit of the land cards here. Like I said, land cards are always... I mean, what's to really talk about lands so much? Next up for our first artifact is Cliffhaven Kite Sail. It is a one mana artifact equipment. When the center is a battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. Equip creature as flying. One of the better equipments. Yeah, you don't get any pluses or anything like that but hey they have flying now that's really good evasion and limited and that could be an early to mid pick more of a mid pick i'd think and something like that and in my sealed deck i'd want to try to at least put it in there somehow and unless unless i have like a crap ton of flyers already then it, this is kind of a dead card but if i don't like maybe if i'm going more low to the ground and i want a flyer just in case there you go Next up, we've got Forsaken Monument, a 5-mana legendary artifact. Colorless creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. Whenever you tap a permanent for colorless, add an additional colorless. Whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain 2 life. Once again, for people that are listening, I'm looking directly at the camera, going like, What? This is dumb. This is dumb for Tron. Like, if Tron were to play this, hey, look, now their Tron lands tap for, what is it, like 12 or something? What is they tap three? What? Three, two, and two or something? That's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten, I think. Oh my gosh. That's dumb. Super good. I, I love the art on it where it shows like Ulamog in the background there, like all dead and stuff. But yeah, I mean, and this is going to be like an EDH staple for any kind of Eldrazi type deck, um, any kind of colorless EDH deck. I mean, this is going to be a staple that you're going to want. All right, next up, we've got Lithiform Engine. I've heard a lot of talk about this card, but I haven't really looked at it that hard though so it's a four mana legendary artifact it is a mythic you can pay two to tap this copy target activated or triggered ability you control you may choose new targets for the for the copy so it's copy target activated or triggered ability you control okay you can pay three to tap this copy target instant or sorcery spell you control you may choose new targets for the copy calamax would love that um, and you can pay four, tap this, copy target permanent spell you control. The copy becomes a token. Oh, so for the fourth one, say you're playing a creature, right? Land of War Elves, right? You're, you have five mana, you're going to pay one green to play Land of War Elves, then you pay extra four mana, tap this, and you copied Land of War Elves and it's when it's on the stack. As far as I'm understanding, because I don't think you can copy the target permanent spell when it's already resolved, because it's no longer a spell. It's whatever permanent it is. So, I see why people are talking a lot about this card. Um, Pretty crazy good. Copy target activated or triggered ability you control. This is just dumb. Holy crap. Now, in Drafter Sealed, I'd pack one pick one this only because I'd put it in my, you know, EDH deck. 
Um, otherwise, it's really not a good card for limited. It's definitely not designed that way. It's kind of way too slow for limited here. I'll be honest. It's, it's not a very good limited card. In standard historic, once again, I think it's too slow for either of those formats. It's I feel like you'd want to be doing something better. I mean, I could be 100% wrong, and it could be super good in standard or historic, but I just don't see it. In commander, this is dumb in commander. This is super good. If you ever see this being played across the table from you, you're going to want to destroy that artifact, especially Kalamax. Kalamax would love this card. Baltan, if you're listening, I know you're going to play this card. It's dumb, but you know what? Go for it. It's super good. All right, next up we've oh I can yeah I see definitely why people love that card. Next up we've got Myriad Construct for four mana. It's a construct. It's a four four with a kicker of three. So for seven mana, if this was kicked, it enters the battlefield with a one one counter on it for each non basic land your opponents control. So you're you'd only really want to do the kicking cost if your opponent controls a bunch of non basic lands. Like you do maybe one or two. Yeah, it could be like a five, like a five or six, you know. Um, otherwise, it's perfectly okay to play this uh, just regular. When this becomes the target of a spell, sack it and create a number of one-one colorless construct artifact creature tokens equal to its power. Oh my gosh, pack one, pick one, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, it's got that sort of like blue illusion type drawback where it becomes the target of a spell. You have you sack it. It's not a may ability. It's you have to sack it. Um, but with the way how easy it is to get counters and and limited and all that, this is perfect here. I mean, really good beatdown card. You pump it up some with some counters, and they happen to target it or something. Boom. I mean, the downside is the downside of this card. If it just dies naturally from combat damage, you don't get the all the tokens. So. Hopefully you'd have like a combat trick to where, you know, you know, this is going to die via combat damage and whatever. And before damage, before it goes to before damage resolves, you target this and you just have a crap ton of tokens. It wouldn't be bad. I'd do it in a second. Really good card pack one pick one because this, this can fit in anywhere. Even a four, even if it does nothing else, but just be a four, four for four. That's really good. Next up is Relic Amulet for 2 mana. It's an artifact. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, put a charge counter on this. You can pay 2 to tap this, remove all charge counters from this. Deals that much damage to dark creature. Eh, kind of bored of that. It's not very good. It's a mid to late pick more than anything. It's trash. It's trash in my opinion. Relic Axe. For 2 mana, it's an artifact equipment. When the center is battlefield, attach a target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. If it's a warrior, gets plus two, plus one instead. Has an equip cost of two. So if you're doing warriors and you need some equipment, that's not too bad. Otherwise, I'd rather go for Cliffhaven Kite Sail, to be honest, because I'd rather have flying than just doing a regular pump up. I mean, if I have a lot of warriors, then yeah, the second part's good. But otherwise, I'm kind of meh to that. Next up, we've got Relic Golem. For 3 mana, it's a Golem. It's a 6-6. Six, six. This can't attack or block unless an opponent has 8 or more cards in their graveyard. And you can pay 2 to tap this. Target player mills 2 cards. So you're building that mill deck? Awesome. Great. You're going to you're gonna eventually be able to use this as a 3 mana 6-6. Six, six. Boom. There you go. 
otherwise it's not a very good card i don't even see it being good in the regular like constructed mill decks as well i mean maybe you know just for like a cheap blocker but yeah i'd rather have like the ruined crab or something all right moving on we got relic vile for three mana it's an it's an artifact. You can pay two to tap this sack a creature, draw a card. As long as you control a cleric, this has whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Okay, so you have to control a cleric. That's whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. That's not bad. I mean, heck, so you control a cleric and you sack another creature like a token or something. Boom, draw a card and they lose a life, gain a life. Not bad. So, I mean, if you know you're going heavy into the cleric plan, you know, this is a great little card to have in addition. But otherwise, eh, mid to late pick more than anything. Next up is Seagate Colossus for seven mana. It's a Golem Warrior artifact creature. It's a seven five for seven. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. The great thing about this card is, is it's not only a warrior for to help you with your party, but it's also colorless and it can fit into any deck. This would be a great bomb for your deck should you need to fill out that high mana slot and you just need like, ooh, I'm going to get that 7-5. I'm going to make it unblockable somehow. Boom, there you go. I like it. I fit in anywhere. More of an maybe early to mid pick. More, more mid pick, I think. Next up is Skyclave Relic. It's a three mana artifact with a kicker cost of three, so for six mana, it's indestructible. When this enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create two tap tokens that are copies of Skyclave Relic. At, and you can tap this to add one mana of any color, so for six mana, you can essentially create three copies of this and have three extra mana. I mean, you'd have one mana, one extra mana right away. But then on your next turn, you have basically three extra mana to tap. Three, three extra mana rocks. And I can see this being played in EDH. Hell, hell yeah. Super good. Um, I like it. I mean, not a pack one pick one. It'd be more like a common uncommon. Or probably look at the commons uncommons first before even deciding to pick this. But otherwise, it's decent card. Next up, we've got Skyclave Sentinel. It's a three mana gargoyle with a kicker cost of four. So for seven mana, starts off as a two, three. It's flying and defender, so it means it can attack. If this was kicked, it enters battlefield with two one one counters on it. As long as Skyclave Sentinel has a one one counter on it, it can attack as though it didn't have defender. So even if you decided not to kick it and you have a more counter plan and you put some counters on this, hey, awesome. You know, even for seven mana, comes in two one so it'd become a four five a four five for seven with flying it's not bad and it, has, it it gets a nice little butt as well too should you pay seven mana for it um yeah i mean more more mid to late pick though otherwise because there's going to be better stuff next up is spare supplies for two mana it's an artifact this enters the battlefield tapped when this enters the battlefield draw a card you can pay two to tap this and sack it and draw another card. So always handy card to have. Like th these, these are the kind of cards you put in your draft deck when you don't have like anything else that's good to really put in your draft deck, right? Like, like say you already drafted it, like it was your stick or something, right? And you're like building your deck and you're like, ah, I don't have anything good because this is the kind of card that fits in any deck. That's the always good thing about artifacts; they fit in every deck almost. So, 
Stick it in if you want to draw some cards. Next up, we've got Stonework Pack Beast. It's a two mana beast. It's a two one. This is also a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard, and you can pay two to add one mana of any color. So hell, I'd may just play this just to fill out my party, right? And that'd be it. I mean, two one for two is not too bad. And then you know you pay two mana to add one mana of any color. Not that great, but to fill out your party, yeah, this this is what really makes this shine, and this fits in any deck, fits in any color. More mid to late pick, though, I think. And our last artifact is Utility Knife. For one mana, you can attach it to target creature you control. Equip creature gets plus one, plus one. Has equip cost of three. So, cheap artifact should you need it. Not the greatest artifact. Still like the Kite Sail one better that gives my equip creature flying for one mana. Um, otherwise, you know, this is decent. And if there's nothing better to pick, you pick this. Or, or you put this in your draft deck. I mean, this is more of a mid to very late pick more than anything. All right, so that was the last artifact. We're going to briefly go over the lands here. Um, the first land we'll go over is Base Camp, which is sort of our party uh, land. This does enter the battlefield tapped. You can It can tap to add colorless, or you can tap to add one mana of any color, and you spend this mana only to cast a Cleric, Rogue, Warrior, or Wizard spell, or to activate an ability of a Cleric, Rogue, Warrior, or Wizard. So that's always a great like color-fixing card to have, if you are heavy in the party mechanic um, or you just need something to be able to help cast some creatures you have as well too. Always great. Now there is the rare land cycle here um, that, that are the flip lands. There's one, two, three. Okay, there's only five. Or no, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the flip cards, right? Okay, just double checking here. Make sure I'm not missing any. So the rare land cycle... They're not bad. I mean, it, it, they come in untapped. That's the good thing. But they aren't basic or anything. So any spells that, you know, say like, hey, put basic land from from your hand onto the battlefield, you can't do that, obviously. And these aren't fetchable or anything. I mean, they're good mana fixing cards. Um, Any of these, I mean, if, these, if you happen to open one up, like pack one, pick one. Definitely look for something else because there could be some good removal and, and these are going to be good for mana fixing, but uh, yeah, there's going to be something better. Like like Branchloft Pathway, it looks like the Selesnia one, Branchloft Pathway and Boulderloft Pathway, Bright Climb Pathway, Grim Climb, so that's Orzov. So I got Selesnia, Orzov, Clearwater Pathway is the Demir one. Crag Crown Pathway is the green one. I meant the gruel one, not the green one. I mean, obviously it's green. Uh, the Needle Verge Pathway is the Boros one. So flip around for Boros. Then a River Glide Pathway would be the Izzet one. So we're just missing for the uh, for the um, guilds here for all ten of them. I don't know if we'll ever print the other ones. Um, the ones that we're missing are. Oh my gosh, so we got Selesnia, uh, Orzov, Demir, Gruul, Boros, and, um, and, uh, blah, 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 uh, is it? We're missing Azorius. What else are we missing? Oh my god, I can't think. I think, oh, hold on, let me look at it. We're missing Azorius, we're missing 
Simic, aren't we? We're missing Simic, right? Because I, yeah, I, I didn't see. Is there only really one? Um, there really only one blue one. Oh, wait, no, no, no. There's two. There's two. The Demir, Demir. Yeah, we're missing Azorius, Simic, Rakdos. I don't remember seeing Rakdos either. Yeah, we're missing Rakdos, and then we're missing. No, we have Golgari, right? Golgari, the other one we're missing. Is it Golgari? It might be Golgari. I know this isn't that important, but I'm just more curious. Like, yeah, yeah, th those are the ones we're missing. So, yeah, I wonder if they'll ever print them. I mean, do you really need them, though? I mean, it'd be good just to sort of complete the set, right? But I feel like you don't really need them that much. I mean, like, as far as these rare land cycles go, the double face ones... I mean, they're going to be definitely handy and standard and constructed because, you know, these are the kind of cards, you know, hey, I'm completely flooded on blue, but I need some red mana. Boom, here you go. Flip this for red instead. You know, or vice versa for whatever color you need. It's good. It's good. They're not exciting. Kind of, I, I do have to admit, as far as like the rare land cycle goes, they're kind of boring. To be honest, like they're 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 interesting. It's an interesting design, I'll say that. But it's kind of boring. Just gonna put it out there, kind of boring. I like the tri triomes, triomes were awesome, but it's not like they could have done the other kind of triome sets here for like the the shards, right? Because that would have just made standard so busted if they did. Maybe they'll do like some shards for the for the wizard set the the uh, Harry Potter set the Hogwarts set I'm completely blanking on the name right now um all right yeah let's let's finish this up here um we got two more land cards that we got crawling barons you can tap this to add colorless it's a rare and you can pay four mana put two one one counters on this then you may have it become a zero zero elemental land creature until end of turn it's still a land so you can keep paying into this to put more counters on it It's not a bad land. I mean, I wouldn't say a pack would pick one, though. I mean, I'd look for something else, but it's not a bad land to have. And limited, I mean, good mana dump for if you need a creature or something. Maybe you want to make it a 4-4. Four, four. I mean, not the most exciting thing. Then you may have it. Oh, okay, so you can keep doing this each turn because it, it's still a land, but it it keeps the creature. Yeah, because you're putting counters on it, so it'll stay a creature. Okay, cool. I like that. Um, all right, then our last card to talk about for the whole Zendikar Rising set is Throne of McKindy. It is a land you can tap this to add colorless. You can pay one mana, tap this, put a charge counter on Throne of McKindy. You can also tap this to remove a charge counter from Throne of McKindy. Add two mana of any one color, spend this mana only to cast kick spells. I don't like this land at all. Um, unless I'm going heavy into kick spells... I would just ignore this, but if I open this up, pack one, pick one. Thank you, next. Um, definitely would pick something else. Not a very good card. I mean, it's good for kick spells, for sure. And be good for, like, EDH if you're playing, like, a kick deck. Uh, otherwise, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And that does it. That's every single card of Zendikar Rising. We did it. We finished. 
we finished the set review for Zendikar Rising. And my overall thoughts of the set, now after looking at it, I think it's going to be a very fun limited set. It looks very fun to draft and sealed and limited. Especially with the party mechanic and landfall and kicker and all that. It looks very fun. Looks more fun than some of the previous uh, standard sets we've seen. I'm definitely going to try to draft this and maybe play some sealed on Arena. And um, I've also got a pre-release kit coming. So I'm going to be streaming hopefully a Zendikar pre-release as well. Um, as far as like standard constructed goes, I'm glad to see that this is a bit more powered down than previous standard sets. I am glad to see that. Because we don't need every single set to be completely bonkers. Um, as far as the EDH goes, there are some good EDH cards here. Like some of the artifacts are just really good. Um, and some of the other cards. I mean, there's also some good commons and uncommon cards here that you could definitely use in EDH as well that are pretty good. Um, it's. I think overall the set is... It feels more Zendikar-like than Battle for Zendikar did. This one, I think they did capture the adventure part of this Zendikar better than they did with Battle for Zendikar. I feel like the flavor of Zendikar is there more than previously because the other Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch were just very Eldrazi heavy. Uh, it was more akin to Rise of Eldrazi, right? The first two Zendikar sets of Zendikar and World Wake felt more closer to this in terms of just the flavor of it. Um, I don't think it's a bad set overall. I think in the end, it's not going to be a very memorable set. I could be 100% wrong. And so far, right off the bat, I don't see any cards that will be, oh my gosh, it's so OP and broken. Oh, we need to ban this at a standard and historic. Hopefully, I'm, I mean, hopefully that's what it is because I'm getting tired of standard bans, right? Standards just been in a crapshoot for like three going on almost four years now. So and that, that, that about does it. That's the complete set review of Zendikar Rising. Hope you all enjoyed watching and listening. And yeah, thank you. Thank you all. If you managed to listen to all the episodes, kudos and gracias to you. And thank you all for listening and watching. As always, you're all amazing and you're all great.